One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, hello. Hello. You all right? Fantastic. How are you? Yeah, all good to go. So we've got uh, our guest today is Mark Abraham, O-B-E. Yep. Let me read a little bit about Mark. Mark Abraham, or Mark the Vet, as he's more commonly known, as how I know him, is a veterinary surgeon, broadcaster, author, and animal welfare campaigner. Mark was awarded an OBE, awarded an OBE for services to animal welfare in the 2021 Queen birthday, Queen's Birthday Honours. He's a regular guest on BBC Breakfast, ITV's, blah, 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 Paul O'Grady, blah, 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 BBC Panorama, blah, 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 blah. That's Mark Abraham. Do you know, if you're an Earl and you're an awarded an OBE, you become an earlobe. It's <laughs> good, isn't it? Yeah, that is good. That's, that's a bit of a dad joke, that one, I think. Yeah, it's not my joke. <laughs> I'm going to distance myself from that. <laughs> I think it's a good joke. Yes, it's all right. <laughs> okay, right. I'm going to let Mark into the. Uh... You got the away kit on there, John? Uh, I do. This is the pink. No, this oh, is nice. yeah. This is the. Hey. Away kit. <laughs> 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 I dress up. Oh yeah. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? Well, I say all right. I've got three broken ribs. What? I'm all right. Yeah. How come? Fell over at my 50th, smashed into a table. Ooh. Wankered. Textbook. Oh, massively wankered, yeah. <laughs> did you? Were you? And yeah. did you? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. As a, two two weeks ago this Saturday, so we've gone through the pain phase and now I'm in the, just the discomfort Mark phase. Abraham OBE. <laughs> I, I, I even brought that to show you. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. How are you? Apart from that, Apart actually, from that, fuck that. What happened that night? How did you end up on the uh, floor? A friend of mine who's a lot smaller than me. She um, wrapped her arms around my neck, pulled me down to tell me something. I was so wankered, I fell over and smashed into a table and broke three ribs. Yeah. Was everyone yeah. concerned for you or not bothered? No one. How was the table? Uh, we're, we're in contact now. We're Facebook friends and, and we, we send messages every day oh, just to nice. check on each other. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. so you're, you've hit the big 50. Uh, I hit a few things that night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the table, then the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Bam. Mark, can you explain? You're a, you're a vet. Guilty. I, I read a, a little paragraph out about you just then, but... What I want to know is, I know it's a bit of a naff thing to ask, and you probably get asked it all the time, but how many animals' bottoms do you put your hand up a week? 
Well, I don't vet anymore, but oh. in the olden days, yeah, in the olden days, I used to more fingers than than actual hands, fists, or forearms. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. If you're going to be, and it's not, a, it's not a terrible question by, no, by any means, isn't it? Do you not get asked that all the time? Used to, used yeah. to. When I was at you, when I was at uni, that was the thing that other students used to ask. Yeah, oh, you stick your hand up a cow's ass. Yeah, all right. Which we did. But in my in my veterinary years, it was fingers. Can you explain what it's like to put your hand up a cow's bum? For them or for me? Huh? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak for them. No, well, genuinely, those... what what's it? The first time you do it, are you nervous? Yeah, of course. It's it's, the, it's very it's it's not a natural thing to want to be doing. Let's face it. But you have to. Uh, it's a cow in the classroom. <laughs> no, they don't allow cows in classrooms anymore. <laughs> Health and safety. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you put the big glove on and you put loads of lube on and you always use the hand that you don't write with because it's more sensitive. Oh. And sometimes you've got to write down stuff while you're doing it. I mean, talk about multitasking. But how nervous are you? Do you, do you get to the point where you're like, oh, I can't go through with this. I don't want to. No, you have to do it. You have to do it. You got your mates around you. Go oh, go on. I've heard that you shape your hand into a duck's bill. Is that right? You can't, yeah, yeah. A duck's I've, yeah. I've heard that because cows are so used to ducks sticking their n- n- bills up their ass, they don't tend to mind. <laughs> okay, so a little mallard around the back. <laughs> are you being you're being watched by a like a cow supervisor? Someone's watching well, you. your lecturer, and then in the in when you're actually qualified, the farmers are watching you, and that's terrifying. The farmers, well, you're being called to a farm for that reason, yeah. And you've got this farmer basically who doesn't want you there because you're a new graduate and you have no idea what you're talking about because you grew up with dogs and cats, and you're there with your hand up their cow. Now, hang on a minute, and- you've jumped way ahead. So, welcome to my new football club podcast. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, you've gone way ahead. What's it like when you first touch the bum and you have to start pushing it in? Well, it's trying to shit you out. Thank you. No problem. That <laughs> 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 oh, is not the start I thought we were going to have. The, the, anus, the anus doesn't want you in there. Oh, no, sure. No, not at all. So is there some no. resistance then? Oh, John's getting involved. You, peristalsis. The technical term for arse resistance. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. So it's trying to shit you out and you have to push more, tries to shit you out more. You're getting covered in shit. I mean, it's... <laughs> and then you have to do what you're going to do. And the reason you're doing it is to either diagnose pregnancy or, or, or some other reason. Um, but yeah. It's, it's, Does it also it's... get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm doing this again, bored, get on with it. Or do you, <laughs> each time do you do it, are you like, oh, God, I'm doing this again? That the second one because it because when you grow up in North West London and you've only dealt with dogs and cats, it's a novelty. I think if you're a farm like a, a kid, a, a, a kid of a farmer, it's normal, but for me, it was never normal, right, still isn't okay. normal. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I had a massive imposter syndrome on farms, I didn't know what I was doing. I put my hand up the wrong hole a few times. <laughs> the farmers, the farmers there looking, going, Yeah, that's my wife, mate. Yeah, yeah right. One of them. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so what you're not you're not in the surgery anymore what are you doing then? no I, I campaign i write books oh and, you do uh, really full laws. time yeah yeah shit four years now do you miss being yeah massively yeah. do you so i go i do lots of international trips and i do all my vet stuff abroad um oh, but yeah i do miss it here because I, I run a group in westminster um which has, has meetings and i'm constantly up up backwards and forwards to, to Parliament and, and doing lots of stuff behind the scenes to help animals. Can you explain to our listeners, Mark, which law you're involved in? Oh, God. Uh, so I've changed five now. Have you? Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's more coming. But with our new, our lovely new Prime Minister, who has zero empathy, compassion or kindness or care for animals, or it seems people, um it's going to be a massive struggle from now on. It was, it was a lot easier with people like Gove and Boris in those senior positions. Now it's a disaster. We've got the, the, the secretary of state for the environment who's into shooting and, and killing and, and uh, murdering wildlife, which is never a good starting block. So it's, yeah, I've got a few ideas there. Are you, dealing, do, with these, are you dealing with these people face to face? Unfortunately. Yeah. Are you? Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard work. I mean, some are great, but the the good ones, the sympathetic ones, are normally the backbenchers. And the more they go up the influential tree, the yeah. less empathy they seem to have. Wow. Yeah, it's tough. You've got, you've got to be a sociopath to make it to the top in any industry. I think it definitely helps. Yeah, so everyone's mental who's at the top. <laughs> yeah, but basically, I mean, with, that, with campaigning, you have to almost set up an ambush uh for those chief decision makers so you've got to get the public on board celebrities on board um cross-party mps on board the media on board social media so you basically surround them with everyone saying you have to do this and that's usually when they do it and it also and also you've got to do it so it makes them look like they are popular or they care oh, God. and you don't care about their motive you just want them to get on with it but it yeah. takes years i mean it took me 10 years to change the first law as you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, football. Football. You don't know this. Who was I telling? Anyway, you had a... So I, I don't know if you know, I, we've moved down to... Me and Naomi moved down to Devon. And uh, I wanted to start watching a local football team. And you have a little influence on me. Wow. In that decision. Because I remember going to watch Brighton and getting the... Is it the bus from the station? To the stadium, train, train, yeah. train. That's it. And you were going, and uh, I was quite jealous that this was a thing you did. Weekly. I remember because you, yeah, I remember you were with your son. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember being quite envious. Going, oh fucking, I wish this was my life. Yeah. And that kind of stayed with me. So now I'm supporting Extern doing it weekly. Isn't it great? Oh my god. Game changer, right? And so you, you moved from Arsenal. To Brighton, didn't you? Before yeah, yeah. Brighton were in the Prem. Yeah, two years before they went up. Did they have the new stadium? Yes. Yeah. So I've been supporting them for seven years and they were already in the Amex. Um, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. Controversial. A lot of people were uncomfortable with it. How can you change team? Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, as you say, one of those reasons was that. I yeah. get to go and see them every single home game, some away games. And it's and you and the journey time. It's like, yeah, I can leave my house. I can walk there in an hour. I can get there in half an hour with the train. 
Yeah. Well, the train's nine minutes, 15 minutes to the station. And it's so simple. It's just so simple. And you get older like us and lazier. And you just want to go there and come back rather than travel four or five hours across the country. John, I've never asked you, how from door to door, how long does it take you to get to Exeter? <clears throat> to the From my house to the ground, I think it's about... Well, on a match day, the traffic's quite bad. But if it was just a regular day, I think it'd be like 15 minutes Oof. by car. Who's John, anyway? I don't know John. Oh, sorry. Hello. John. Hello. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, John. <laughs> just some bloke called John. <laughs> Sorry, John. John, do you want to introduce yourself? You want me John? to introduce? Is it? Do you want? Do, what? Yeah, I can. I can do. Yeah. Um, my name's John. John Beer. Hi, John. Um, I am twenty years old. Currently at uni. Twenty years old. Bloody hell. Uh, I've been a trustee at Exeter City for three years previously. Uh, this guy's in the fucking boardroom, mate. I do summarising oh. for the BBC. I do bits and bobs. I do this podcast. BBC commentator. Yeah, that's uh, wow. What while at uni as well? Knows all knows all the big wigs at Exeter. Actually calls wow. them up. Probably just been on the phone to them now. <laughs> no, not today. <laughs> not today. Yesterday before the pod, yeah, but not today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, dealt with all the business already this week. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. All done. All sorted. You know your way around Exeter, from yeah. the pub, don't you? John? Yeah, I know yeah, my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long do you think it took you? to feel like you were a Brighton fan? So I feel like it's taken me about a year. Four years ah. to make the transition. Yeah. It took ah. four years. Were you going to every game in this period or like as in every home game? I, I So basically, um, a friend of mine whose wife worked in the comms team at the Emirates, um, he had two season tickets. So I'd get the nod every, I don't know, six weeks to go up. And what, what annoyed me it was in the last few years of Arsenal Wenger. And what annoyed me was I'd go up on a Sunday because it was rail replacement service. It was Sky game on a Sunday. So it was about three and a half hours to get to the ground. We had food and we had a few beers. And you just eventually sit down and you see this lackluster team coming out who just c can't really be bothered to play. Do you really notice that, Mark? Does it, yeah. Can you really tell that they're not trying? Yeah, especially when you've been on a rail replacement Sunday bus service <laughs> and, you're, and you're hungover. You know, every detail. And I remember thinking, Fuck. why am I even bothering to do this? Hang on a minute. because I've Hang on, Mark, because I've never yeah. experienced that. What does it look like on the pitch when they're not going it for it? just can't be asked. They just can't be asked. And what really annoyed me, and you'll get this, is at the final whistle, you see everyone leaving the Emirates, 60,000 people, and you know they're all going somewhere in London, and you're the only prick who's now got to get back on the fucking train <laughs> for another three and a half hours and go home. Yeah. Disappointed and half-pissed. And I just thought, and I did that loads of times, and I just thought, why am I doing this? And at the same sort of time, Alex Winter, who you know, yeah, he saw an advert, I think he was having a piss at the Amex, we went to a game, and there was a poster above the urinal that said half-season tickets. So we were like, maybe we should do this. So it was January to May. We've got half-season tickets, still in the championship. And we started going and became a little bit addicted and a little bit obsessed with Brighton and how easy it was yeah. to go to the stadium. And what a beautiful stadium. Mm -hmm. And the players could be asked. That was the difference. They all turned out and they were like, we want to win. We want to play as a team. We're not big names, but we actually want to. We want to win. And then, of course, they went up. That was a great day, of course, when they were promoted. So, where, when you joined them, where were they in the championship? 
they were oh, they were they were challenging for the top. So I think okay. they just missed out on our first season. Then they went up the second season. What what kind of players were were there in in your first season, Mark? Anyone like Bruno Knockart and people like that? Yeah, Sidwell. Um, and it was great. It was wonderful because it was like your local team. So it was, it was a different energy and he didn't have to do all that crap with going to London and back and being disappointed. And, and there was one, there was one game when, when um, Brighton played Arsenal and I kind of regressed. I forgot who I was supporting and where we sit is the North stand. Yeah. And at one point, Arsenal were down the other end. I went, come on, Arsenal. And I just, everyone just sort of looked at me. And I was like, and Brighton, let's have a good, <laughs> bloody good game, you know. <laughs> that was the only slip-up I've ever made. But now I look at Arsenal as a completely different team. I've been to the Emirates and I've been uh, to watch Brighton and I've been to, obviously, the Amex to watch Arsenal. And now I'm fully... Yeah, it took about four years to make that complete transition, though. Did it? So mm. when you... Right, when you say complete transit, how, how often are you looking at Arsenal's matches? Are you still... I still watch them, but there's no, there's no emotional bond. Yeah. But you, you didn't have as much of it, like David, you were a Man United fan before. You didn't have an emotional bond there, did you? No, I've always just watched them on the TV. Yeah. So this is this is like your first true... Yeah. Whereas Mark was going before. This is the first time, because our manager left this week, Mark, and went to Rotherham. I feel your pain. I feel your like pain. a ton of bricks. Yeah, well, you care. That's why. You've got an you've got an emotional bond. Yeah, because it's happened to you with Mr. Potter. Yeah, a massive betrayal. We all we all felt that. Why is it a betrayal? Why why can't he? Because because it was it, the the game. But let's say the game before was against Leicester. We won five two at the Amex. Most got goals ever scored at the Amex. The club is like flying high. It's never been as successful. The next week, I think we were playing Bournemouth away as an early kickoff, and that could have actually seen us go top briefly. And it was like, this is, it's never been so good. And then, of course, he comes and does the fist bumps at the end and the crowd are going crazy. It's like, this is amazing. This is what it's all about. Underdogs, every box ticked in terms of being a football fan. And then, of course, a few days later, um, Chelsea sacked Tuchel and he's in within 24 hours. And he's not only that, but he takes all the backroom staff with him, like Bruno and everybody. So it's like, oh, he obviously didn't like us that much. And I think that's what that's what hurts. It's like you, they give the impression that they that, that this club is like the the biggest thing in their life, and the fans and the players. And then twenty four hours, someone waves a check in front of them. You get it, but it's it's at least spend at least uh, at least look as though you give a shit that you're leaving. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Rather than driving to the training ground, saying bye, and then fucking off again. Yeah, it's that. Is that, that's the betrayal? It's at least at least pretend you. With, with credit to to Matt, his statement that he put out the other day uh, was was really wonderful. really quite special. Is uh, it, it was the, he like that sort of summed Matt up, didn't it? He was an, an incredible person, and his statement sort of matched that. But yeah, I don't I don't know if Potter released a, a statement or anything yeah, like he released a statement, and so did Bruno, and everyone's like, "Fuck off, you're gonna go, <laughs> just go." And also, people people are attacking the club, saying, "Look, they've gone. Why are you posting their statements? Let them go." Which I thought was quite interesting. People, yeah, people took it very personally. We've got a new guy, and he seems to be all right. So well, I feel a bit unsafe now, Mark. Now, now they're looking for a manager. I'm kind of because we've gone up to League One, and we're sort of mid-table, and it feels like it could go either way. 
Have you not sent your CV in? Well, I don't think I need to. I've written so many fucking songs about the club. That's my fucking CV, boys. <laughs> boys, your playlist. <laughs> my playlist. No, uh, Jock. Um, no, I don't think I'd do a good job, in all honesty. <laughs> no. Just admitting but, that now, yeah, a couple of days after. Well, I don't know. Maybe I would. You know. What's the capacity down there in the stadium? Is it eight? Uh, yeah, just just under eight, I think, is capacity. Yeah. And do they get good crowds in? Well, we sold, sold out, out last, last week. Saturday. Awesome. Yeah. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, I love it. Well, I mean, I'm not used to the large crowd stadiums, so walking into that, be it five, six, seven, eight, just feels amazing. Yeah. And excuse my ignorance, Plymouth, are they in the same league? Yeah. Ooh. Top. So that's, the same that's the local derby, right? Yeah. Big, big yeah. derby, yeah. Very big. Mm. Similar to, yeah. to Brighton Palace. That's quite a big derby. Yeah, I think that's going to change now. I think it'll be Brighton-Chelsea. I think that'll be the, the rivalry. And that's on the 29th of October. Oh, what a game. I know. That's if he's still in nuts. the job by then. Well, he went last night, so I think he probably will be, which is annoying. <laughs> Shit, that's going to be a hell of a fixture. Yeah. Three o'clock kickoff at the Amex. So what, does he, what does it hold that stadium? Just well, thirty-one, I think. And how many, um, how many Chelsea fans are they allowed in? I think three thousand. Is it sell out at the Amex most of the time, or it is now? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. It's about thirty and a half wow. thousand every every match. I mean, Spurs is sold out this Saturday. Forest is sold out Tuesday week. Um, yeah, so it's, on a Tuesday. it's a popular place. Yeah, Tuesday night. Wow. It's a popular place to go now. People love it. People are so behind the team. Yeah, so we've lost our manager. I'm feeling a bit unsafe. Yeah, a bit vulnerable. Yeah. How do you feel now with a new? Who is your new manager? A guy called Roberto De Zerbi. So he's an Italian guy. Seems like a nice bloke. Um, and we drew against Liverpool last Saturday, three all. And he kept with Potter's team, so he hasn't meddled with it. And the fans love yeah. him already because we could have, got, could have gone four 0 up in twenty minutes. Um, so yeah, it's all right, good. Okay. Okay. So if you had lost your first game and maybe your next, how would you gutted. have felt? Absolutely gutted, <laughs> betrayed, gutted, angry, pissed off. <laughs> but how long would you give a new such manager? Because I have an question. Oh. It's such a good question. It's, it's so it's so dependent on like who you're playing and how the results go. If you're playing Liverpool, if you if the next three games are as a new manager, Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham, Chelsea, well then you go well. You, you sort of go. Well, you could give them a little bit of leeway, but if you've got Forest, Fulham, you know, whoever, Bournemouth, and you haven't then picked up your points that you require, it's, it's just so d- dependent on the fixture list. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And we, you know, his first game was away to Liverpool. Next game is home to Spurs. I mean, we've got, we've got Man City coming up pretty soon as well. Yeah. So it is a test. Like it's, a, it's a pretty thank, thankless task, that, isn't it? You know, you're probably going to come away with minimal points. But still, that looks bad on the manager because, you know, your objective is to, to win every game. So yeah. I think we'll be all right. I think we're OK. He did well against Liverpool. He seems like a nice bloke. And the squad loves... They love to play together. And the, I don't know. We've just had such a consistent run and been so positive so I think the the manager is going to obviously make a difference, but not a massive difference to start with. We're quite a solid yeah. team. So yeah, yeah, 
I think we'll be all right. So you, your new football club has got a wonderful stadium and you're in the Premier and you're watching people like Haaland and Ronaldo. Yeah, and it's mad. You, you've made quite a, good, quite a good choice. I feel like I have, yeah. That's what I said. It's one of the best decisions <laughs> I made. If I was going backwards and forwards to the Emirates now, I'd be gutted. It's Premier League football on my doorstep and we're doing really well. Yeah. Fourth. Yeah. Mad. So... I'm in. We're in League One, aren't we, John? Yeah, we're happy, aren't we? I, I, I'm happy. I don't know if you're happy. Actually, I think the question. David wants to be in the Premier League in, in two years' time. Sure. Um, which you know, oh, who doesn't? I just think it's it's unrealistic. But yeah, we're we're happy. I'm happy. Very happy in League One. But I was watching for a decade of League Two football. I, I watched oh, ten great. years of League Two, and some of those were <sighs> not successful seasons, like staying up by the skin of your teeth. Oh, kind of season, God. so depressing. Anything you know, David comes and supports for the first season, and we get promoted. So it's, it's yeah, like, lucky charm. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <No> problem. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, talking of lucky charms, do you have much. a mascot that comes on at the beginning? We've got two. We got right, Grecian the Lion and Lexi the Lion. Who are in those costumes? <laughs> oh, all that's great my next question. question. I actually, I actually <laughs> do know. I think if it's still the people that were doing it before, it's a chap called Dylan Large and a chap sure. called George Powsland. Shout out to you guys. I don't know if they're still in it. Those are the last two that I knew. I went to, I came, I, I walked into the ground last Saturday and went along the front to get to my steps. And one of those mascots, the lion was there and I was really on edge. And I, I was really expecting him to go, oh, come over to me and fuck off, mate. <laughs> Would you not have a photo with, with one of them? With, with Grecian or Lexi, the line wouldn't have a photo with David? Not, not for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. You would? Well, have a photo? Yeah, with them. I just felt a bit uncomfortable <laughs> walking past the lion. What, scared? <laughs> yeah, a bit scared. And I was just thinking about the bloke in there. Just see, I don't know what your motivation, what your motives yeah, are. Yeah. What are you on about? I, I have my picture taken with Gully, if I can. And I turn into this Gully. teenager all of a sudden. And he's some some bloke in a in a costume, but he's not. He's he's gully, and we all have our picture taken with him, and we're a bit starstruck. Been going seven years. As a vet, is it weird seeing animal mascots or not? No, I don't. I don't feel any urge. I don't feel any urge to stick my hand up their ass. <laughs> but maybe I will from now on. Who knows? Weirdly, I did. <laughs> so the, the lion yeah. was more scared of you, probably. <laughs> Yeah. What's the lion called again? Grecian the lion and Lexi the lion. Why are there two? Are they male and female. Yeah, male and female. We got a, we got a, we got a Sally. We got a Gully and a Sally. I think it's it's about it's all like inclusivity and that kind of thing. So it's great. I, I really like it. It's good. Do they kiss? Uh, I haven't seen it. They might do. <laughs> Ask them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm currently looking at Gully, your mascot. Yeah. He looks yeah, fun. Good luck. <laughs> does, he, does he wear the biting kit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Jolly and Sally. No, it's good. But you know, I mean, it's, you know, stuff. when they walk past, we, we, where we where we have our beers just before we go up to our seats, they always walk to the pitch through where we are, and we're always like, "Oh my god, it's Gully and Sally!" It's like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Three of us yeah. are like hundred and fifty years old between us, and yeah. and we're yeah. we're starstruck by some. 
fucking whoever they are in these costumes who, who, who we see every week. We see every week. It's not like a, they've just turned up and we've never seen them before. No. Mark, do you know the origin of the Arsenal mascot, the Gunnosaurus or whatever whatever that is? Do you know why that, that's the case? I don't. I, I don't. I, I, and I don't think he has a girlfriend either. So maybe that's to do with... It's oh, a bit single, weird. Is he? He's single. Gunnosaurus. Gunnosaurus. The rest were wiped out. Exactly. Including yeah, his girlfriend. I was, re- I was really on edge. I was really on edge walking past um, Lexi or whatever. <laughs> Just, uh, Lexi's the okay. girl, isn't it? Grecian's the, the boy. Yeah, Grecian. Well, he, he, oh, how do you I know the difference? One's got a mane or something. Uh, yeah, how do you know the difference, John? God, I'd be mad if you had just one big furry torture hanging down. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've just got different faces. They're quite recognisable oh. as different. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just Lexi the... T- was it the lion? Lexi the lion, I think, yeah. Lexi the lion, Exeter. Let's have a quick. How do you tell which is female? God, that, uh, one's got a pink nose, I suppose. If that's. One's got a pink nose, one's got a black nose. You could get. Sorry, if we moved You could get now. David Attenborough's job when he dies with that sort of, sort of <laughs> descriptive talent. <laughs> okay. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, then you might want to get on my Patreon. You get early access to ad-free episodes, and there'll be videos and behind-the-scenes pics, and it's basically a place where we can all hang out together. It's a bloody friendly community, if you ask me. So, uh, yeah, if you fancy it, just go to patreon.com forward slash David L. And also, Patreon is an app that you can download onto your phone. All for the price of a coffee. Like a posh coffee. Once a month, you pay a few quid, and then you get to be an MNFC supporter. My new football club supporter, that's what that stands for. That's your thing. So, sign up at patreon.com forward slash David L. And the link is in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. Right, back, back to the pod. Right. Um, are you up for answering our famous eleven questions? I would absolutely be delighted to. Famous. I've even, I've even written notes. Oh wow! Oh, wonderful. They're pretty famous. They're getting there. I take it seriously. Yeah. Right. What was the first game you went to? So Ever. this is the shittest. This is the shittest answer because I obviously can't remember the exact game, but it was definitely at Highbury, and it was definitely when I was about fourteen. And I just remember thinking, obviously watching the football was one thing, but I also remember because it was a North Stand at Highbury, North Bank, and I remember thinking how funny people were around me. It was like, like the, the old geezers and, and the abuse yeah, and the yeah, swearing. Yeah. I just, and I was yeah. at, at that time when I was about 12, 13, 14, I first discovered, thanks to my godfather, Derek and Clive, uh, and, and, th- and that darkness of humour. And it was almost like it had come to life around me, the swearing, the na- like nastiness. And I was, yeah. I was all, as fascinated by the, the dialogue around me as I was as a football. Absolutely. Yeah. Same here. And I just thought, People are so funny, like naturally funny. It's like, 
it blew me blew me away. So yeah, it was, that, that's what I'm really jealous of. Highbury is like a stadium. Like when you see the clips of it, because that was the Invincible season was at Highbury, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, way and before that, that, that. Just yeah, way before uh, that. So why why was it such a good stadium? The atmosphere, proper old school. It was it was so um, was, on top of the pitch. Yeah, and, and also the north bank of, of Highbury was quite legendary for being um, quite intense. Um, it, yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, it was. I, mean, I was a very I was quite an um, uh, shy, introvert, wallflower kid who just played with animals and did stuff in fields with caterpillars and frog spawn. So to, to be in that environment was so alien to me. But I just, and I was with my mates from school, so it was okay. But um, I found it fascinating. The whole thing was fascinating. And I, you know, I had an well, Arsenal duvet cover and scrapbook and pillowcases. I mean, I was, I was properly, everything was Arsenal. Who, who was in the Arsenal team at that point? Like people like Graham Ricks oh. and Tony Woodcock and, and, and like proper legendary old Viv Anderson and proper old, old school. Okay. Yeah. Back in the day. Was Highbury surrounded by like terraced houses and it was like a classic Correct. in the middle? Yeah, sort of, yeah. yeah. It wasn't far from where the Emirates is now. Oh, okay. So it was in Islington um, and yeah, terraced houses and it, it was yeah. just an incredible place to go. Yeah. So yeah, that was my first. And do you know, do you remember who they were playing or not? I remember a game against Southampton because there was a guy called Armstrong and he was bald. And I think we drew two all. That's the kind of the first game I actually remember being at. Do you know what? Fast. I'm going to look him up now. Oh, yeah, see if, it, see if I'm actually making that up. But I think it was true. Hampton. Footballer. Bald. <laughs> David Armstrong? Maybe. Yes, David Armstrong, dead. Yeah. Dead. Oh, dead. Okay. Dead. Shit. I mean, that was, it's got to be 40 years ago. Moved to Southampton in August 1981, where he played for six seasons. Uh, 1981? Yeah. Blimey. That's, that, go on, that go on, even go on, say like it, go on, say it, 1981. Uh, no, it just doesn't on. even seem like a real date go to on. me. Brilliant. Where'd you sit in the ground and why? Sit uh, just up from the corner flag in the northwest corner, and so it's the north stand. Advantages are, yeah, can hear the atmosphere of the North Stand, but you don't have to stand up for the whole game, so you can sit and be lazy, yeah, plus enjoy the atmosphere, yeah. And also, we're quite near where the stairs go down to the bar, so you can be quite, uh, quite quick at half time to the bar. Um, but yeah, and and the reason why when we went to go our half season tickets, we literally went to the stadium and said, "Where's a good place to sit?" and they went there. So there's no real. Excitement with that story. I would have thought like the best place to sit in a football ground is where I sit, isn't it? For the for view, yeah. But some people don't go just for the view. Some people go for the atmosphere. Right, or, okay. Yeah. 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 So we we love where we sit. But I'll tell you what else we love. Why we sit? The people that we sit with. So when you've been there for seven years, I sit next to. So obviously I go with. Uh, that's another question. Um, I go with Alex and Nads, but. To the right of me is Emma and her brother Chris, and in front of us is a family that sort of interchange about seven different seats. There's another Chris, and there's Lee, and there's Jack, and and it's it's become this sort of little family that you visit every two weeks. That is just as special as the game. Yeah, weirdly. You mentioned that, didn't you, 
people about how <clears throat> you love and you want to know and get to know the people around you see so, and you like you said they're starting to talk to you now someone peered up from behind to you Lent one of the games over yeah. I bought you a couple of books to read, the Exeter. Amazing. What I love about it, what I find, and I think you'll like this too, is you don't really know much about their lives and you don't need to. No. But when there's a goal, everyone's hugging. Like It's like the, the most amazing thing that's happened. Hugging and high-fiving and wow. And then it sort of dies down a bit. And then at the end, you go, see ya, yeah, bye. Yeah, and it's, it's just, it's that, it's like just a, that one common interest that gathers so yeah. many people together. But it's that, but it's that energy in that moment that you've almost known each other your whole lives. Yeah. Ah, you know, yeah. Like crazy. Yeah, and then it's like, yeah, see ya, bye. Alright. So do you hug? So Mark, you said you were shy, Grant. Do you do you hug people in the stadium? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hug them. If if we score. It's everyone along our line hugs the people in front of them and each, and next to them. Yeah, it's really tactile. I can't. I'm just trying to imagine me hugging like the guys in front of me. So I'm not sure they. I'm, I mean, proper hugging, not like, like pro- it's like it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to give them a hug warning tomorrow because um, Saturday because of the ribs, and say don't hug, don't hug me. Well, even if you're just playing someone like Bournemouth, or not Bournemouth, but if it's just a regular game, you'll hug one. Seriously, another. it's mental. It's mental. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Do you hug people, John? Um, <laughs> when I was younger, like sort of 15, 16, I always remember thinking like everyone's just hugging each other, especially on the Big Bank. It's all very tight and compact. Everyone's like everywhere. But like, as I've got a little bit, like when I got a little bit older, maybe like seventeen or whatever, I remember like me and my dad. We don't really hug or anything like that. We're just sort of like, yeah, right, dad. But when when we score a goal, completely different. Dad's hugging me, brothers hugging each other. This, that, the other. So yeah, it is quite. It's amazing. It's so yeah, surreal. It bring, when you think brings about everybody. It. Who's gonna Who's gonna hug me? Everyone's gonna hug you, apart from the lion who's scared of you. Put put put. Say now that you want to be hugged on the podcast and people will start. Right at the moment, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> Do you know what? When we when we got the equaliser against Bristol last Saturday, I jumped up with everyone. I was like, I am fully part of this gang. I have Good feeling. Yeah, great feeling. And But as soon as the moment went, I was down. I was like, fucking hell, that was weird. I sort of let go. That's good, though. Yeah, it was good. That's what it's about, yeah. yeah. There'll be little bits coming out more and more as you... But it could take you... four years, Mark, you reckon, to really... It took me four, it took me four years, but now it's... it's, And it's it's a fun four years because you're... Sounds a bit wanky, but you're kind of learning about yourself because, you know, loyalty. Yeah. You, you've been fan of this club for years. You've grown up following Arsenal. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're following a club that you had no, nothing to do with. But now, you know, again, you justify, I've lived in Brighton 25 years, so more than I've ever lived in London. So that's sort of in my favour in terms of when I'm faced with arguing about it. Yeah. But but there was a lot of people that didn't believe me. No. Oh, fuck off, you know, fuck off, you're still an Arsenal fan. And so, yeah, transitioned, (laughs) which in Brighton is a weird word to use. I definitely felt, (laughs) I definitely felt, feel, felt like I had imposter syndrome a bit. Yeah. But... I don't care, I'm enjoying it. Exactly. That's normal as well. I think it's important to understand that's normal, especially when you've moved a certain amount of miles away from home and then, you, then you're then you know looking for a new team. I think that's completely normal. 
I love the phrase imposter syndrome, by the way. There's plenty of that going on in my noggin. Hundred <laughs> percent, me too. <laughs> but yeah, but especially with football, because you're surrounded by people who've obviously they went to the Goldstone Ground. You know, yes, they, they they've gone through every single emotion over the years. Gone to the Withdean in pissing rain in the winter. Of course, um, gone to Gillingham when they had to play there. There must be a few fans now, Mark, who look at the new ones going, "Come on, where were you?" Right, yeah. And I rock up going, oh, yeah, seven years at the Amex, I'm a proper fan. And they, mm, really? Um, <laughs> so you, do, you still get imposter syndrome, even though you support the same team. But full respect to these guys who followed them through decades, you know? Yeah. I, I remember yeah. going, when Exeter City played Brighton a few, like I say a few years ago, a long time ago now, I was, I was still really young. And we played Brighton and they were, I think it was the Amex was being built. They were playing at this stadium that had a running track around. Yeah, that's the Wisting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I went there. I went there to watch oh, Exeter City versus Brighton. Yeah. I used to live just down the road, John. Hey. Really? Yeah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Now I've got imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> Question three. Yeah, what's your match day routine? I think this is what I was envious of you. What? Yes. 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 Yeah. And I'm and I'm incredibly proud of it now, because it's because as I say, you get older, you get lazier, and you just want stuff to be close, don't you? So there's a, a typical sort of three o'clock kickoff. Always watch Football Focus religiously. The weekend starts with Football Focus. Does it? At twelve o'clock. Does yeah, twelve o'clock. BBC One. Everything just stops for that because it sets up the weekend. Ooh. And then we normally normally meet at Brighton Station hour and a half, two hours before kickoff. Um, get to the ground. Don't like the train to be too busy, so we get there a bit earlier. Oh. Uh, pint and chips with curry sauce oh. every time. Every time. This is and heaven. And exactly the same spot we stand. Yeah, it's just up from the... the, the fish and chip kiosky things mark can i ask what can sorry can i ask what are you doing leading up to football focus because i imagine you've got one eye on football focus around the corner uh, usually a veggie sausage sandwich right and you just trying to do some bits of some chores and whatnot and then you stop in at football focus yeah, yeah. everything everything's like yeah that's the reward <laughs> football focus is the reward for, for chores on a saturday morning <laughs> <laughs> which no. is usually just breakfast and being hung over but it's still yeah they're still chores yeah um yeah and then and then we go uh, then the team's revealed obviously uh, an hour before kickoff and then we sort of finish our drinks and finish our chips with curry sauce and uh and then we move in and either have one or two pints before that before going up wow yeah yeah and then see the gully and the sally fly past and all that sort of stuff. Every, sing every single time. And I love routine. I think that the older we get, Definitely. the more we rely on it. We depend on routine. And I love the routine of it. Oh. I love it. And then afterwards, and this doesn't happen in most grounds, apparently, they keep the bars open at the Amex. So everyone just yeah, stays. It's not, it's not common that. The, the, ground, the, the bars are often shut. Shut immediately. So... Yeah. Obviously, the, the queues to get on the train is mental and can take ages. So everyone kind of stays and hangs out, and you can take your beers outside. And this is what this is what makes again, I think Brighton quite different from other grounds. The play they put the railings out, and the players come out and sign autographs and do selfies for the kids and the adults. 
And that is one, for me, that is the community side of it. Yeah. You wouldn't get that at a bigger stadium. They come out, they spend so much time walking along the line, as I say, selfies and autographs. And it's just wonderful. And it's like that, that inspires the kids then to, to get into football and to love their team and blah, blah, blah. So it's like a, it goes around full circle. But that, I think, is very different for Brighton. I'm really jealous of your little routine. <laughs> I love it. I'm so, I'm, I'm, I feel incredibly lucky every single time. And that, so, what, so the game's finished. You get home, say, when? Half six, seven? Yeah, so we go into town normally and go to Three Jolly Butchers, yeah. which is just down from the station. Yeah. And we watch usually the second half of the late game. Oh. And then we come we come in and have a few beers. I must say, it's dependent on the score. If we've lost, I go straight home. Do you? Can't, I can't handle it. Yeah, I'm in such a bad mood. It's pathetic. But uh, yeah. It's, luckily, it hasn't happened for a while. But I, it does affect my mood for the whole weekend. Last week, I was... When the game was over, I was like, oh, for God's sake, they're not playing for another two weeks at home. It's so annoying. So frustrating. I'm feeling We've that. We've gone a month. We've gone a month without a game at home because our, the Palace game was cancelled. Um, but yeah, it does affect your mood. It really affects your mood because you be, we become dependent on it, I think, the older we get. Or maybe not even age thing. And maybe John can... You know, I'm sure your mood is affected by your team's performance and massively. Uh. massively. And, my, and my like my my family as well is is the big one. Like my my when my mum wasn't going to the football, she'd always be pray for a win, not because she cared, because she just wanted everyone to come home in like a good mood. So <laughs> yeah. like yeah, that, like that, like and you, I can tell even now, like Dad, you, you'd like to sort of don't if we lose, just sort of keep out of his way, sort of let him do do his thing. And and that won't be just Saturday, Sunday as well. We'd be like when we always go to my nan's on a Sunday whenever I'm down. And we you just sort of tell he's like, Oh yeah, we've lost. And that my nan will ask about the score and dad'll be like, Yeah, I don't want to talk about football today. Yeah. So it, it, it affects you over the weekend and then into work. hundred yeah. percent. It really does. And yeah, I'll I'll go home and I'll watch match of the day and sort of watch the analysis and sort of just get even more depressed about it all. <laughs> yeah, that's what's worse, I think. But uh, when you're in, when you're in the Premier League, you have such emphasis afterwards as well on the game, and you've got Alan Shearer telling you you played crap, and it's like, oh great, cheers. I know that. Yeah, cheers, mate. I, that's, that's, that's the thing I can I couldn't deal with. Well, I, I know this is obvious, but because I've only just started going, I love just picking a player and watching what they're doing live. Because obviously I'm just used to watching football on TV, so you're following the camera or wherever. I love just watching. What's he doing? Why is he looking at? Why is he having a go at him? I love all that, all the little detail. Yeah. Like a little soap opera playing out in front of you. Love it. <laughs> it is fascinating, and and it's something that people just who aren't into football just can't they can't get their head around. Especially the especially the the mood thing. Yeah. How can you you know how can it affect your mood that much? It's like because. I'm a sad fucking loser. It's <laughs> <laughs> simple as. <laughs> Question four. Who do you go to games with? So Alex, who you know, yeah. Alex Winter. And Nadia Rogers, who you know as well. Yeah. Um, we both obviously were still are huge fans of yours and went to all the gigs and snow use and all the sticky mics and all that stuff. Um, and so I started going with Alex. We only had the two tickets. And then this is another thing Brighton did. Obviously, a, t- a, t- uh, a seat became available next to us. So they called Alex and said, before we put it on sale, is there anyone you want to invite to sit next to you? 
Wow. And that had been coming on, again, sort of a bit like when we had the nod, one of us couldn't go, she came. And um, so she jumped at the chance, because it's, it's not actually that expensive, Brighton season tickets. I think it's about between four and 500 quid a year. Old? Yeah, really, really reasonable. So the, the club actually rang, which is incredible, I think. So she snapped that up. So now the three of us go. So it was her first season last season. And so the three of us go. We love it. Absolutely love it. And we all we all obviously want to see back. I know this has nothing to do with football, but we all want to see Gittins back on stage at some point. Yeah. Probably not going to happen. But that was that was a message for them to you. Oh, that's right, nice. Me. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Might be quite bleak if I get on stage. Even better. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, when isn't it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'm jealous of your little, uh, your little routine, your little gang of. Because I go, we love I go on my own. Question five: favourite away ground. Uh, I have two that I was I would mention. Old Trafford, I think, has got to be because it's so iconic. It's it's almost like going to a historical museum, isn't it? When you go somewhere like that, isn't Old Trafford quite run down though, and old and and decrepit? And... Well, that's what gives it the charm in a weird way. I went three years ago. I would, would drove all the way out there to watch Man United against Cardiff last game of the season. I think we lost four nil. I used to have the sort of the season tickets because no one wanted to go to the Brighton game. So I've got friends at, at Old Trafford and they go, they'd ask around and say, can you give your seats up for the Brighton game there? So I used to sit on my hands and pretend to be a Man U fan when Brighton came up. I only did that twice. And then this season I managed to get seats in the away end at Old Trafford. Oh, okay. For for the Brighton game. Oh my God. Well, obviously different experience, but to go 2-0 up and then to win 2-1 first game of the season it was phenomenal I mean that was really phenomenal um, Villa Park I have to say who said that John who said Villa Park someone else said Villa Park was, was it Alex, Alex, Lowe? Alex yeah. Lowe is it really good Mark? oh good old Alex um, similar, similar it's just one of those grounds isn't it that it's always been in your life because it was obviously FA Cup semi-finals were there and also another super fan of yours, you know, Louise, who on you know Louise, who I think you met after one of the London gigs. Um, she, you know, I meet her there and her gang and go to the Aston Social and get picked. You know, I, what I love about the away days is because you've got friends in those places, you get kind of get collected from the station and you're in their world and you have the drinks in their pub and you, you're wearing your club colours, but it doesn't matter. And you and you're you're embraced by the by the, the home fans, and again it's uh, it gets rid of that whole imposter syndrome because it's all again sound a bit wanky, but we're all as one and we're all there for the same reason and we're in their world. Yeah. And, and you don't have to think about anything for a few hours yeah. until you get back on the train back. And I love that that inclusivity and hearing about their links with the clubs and their dead dads that they used to go with. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That wholesome experience that makes the 90 minutes like just so special really and so so much more valued so last night sort of similar thing um i watched rotherham v millwall my lucky wife but i watched rotherham v millwall and then uh the millwall podcast guy sent me a message on twitter and i watched the millwall 
YouTube podcast channel. And then I watched the Rotherham. <laughs> and I absolutely loved watching the other fans chatting about their side. And it's great. It's brilliant. It's passion. Yeah. Absolutely. In a world in a world of absolute shit, whichever direction you look in, including forward into the future, <laughs> football yeah. is the only thing that guarantees passion, some form of ent- positive entertainment. Yes, you take the, the lows, but it's the constant that unites so many people. Yeah. And I think that's why we, we depend on it. That's why COVID was such, such a detrimental hit for a lot of people, because <clears throat> people go to football, as you said, Mark, for an escape, you know, from what is their lives for a few hours. And when you don't have that, as little as it sounds, you know, it's it had a massive impact on a lot of people. So it's, it's good that football is back and proper back. Oh, those games without the crowds. Oh. That's weird. Question six, least favourite away ground? I think my least favourite away ground, because it's a bit of a shithole, and I do apologise to all Watford fans, but Vicarage Road. Um, but the only reason I would go there is my best mate Russell, who you've also met, David. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's been a season ticket holder for 40 years. He's gone with his dad for 40 years to that ground. And so occasionally I'd get the nod if either they were playing Brighton or they were playing Arsenal many years ago or there was a game I went to which you may remember which was when it was I think it was a playoff final or playoff semi-final and it was Watford Leicester and Leicester had that penalty that they then missed and then Watford oh amazing amazing yeah so I was there for that which was incredible really was that hang on a minute was that Troy Deeney scoring yeah yeah that's right you were there yeah and so many Watford players when, when Leicester had that penalty so many Watford players walked out because it was like it was like the last minute, and then Knockart missed, and then they went up and scored the other end. It was absolutely bonkers. So wow, that's a really cool. That's one of that's one of the best games ever in in football league history. And you were there. Did it feel yeah. special wow. in the moment? That if it was it was nuts. Yeah, it was so much depended on that game. It wasn't even a normal game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty special. So yeah, Old Trafford is oh, sorry, uh, Vicarage Road is a bit of a shithole, but uh, it has had some good memories, and it is always where I hang out with with Russell in his dad's seat when his dad's not there. So yeah, that's it. It's it's a good it's a good ground. Well, yeah, I'd rather you slagged it off. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a championship ground now, so hopefully, we'll... <laughs> if you could, yeah. <laughs> Question seven: If you could travel back in time, which game would you watch again? This is this is the hardest question because there's 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 reasons for travelling back in time, isn't there? So you've got the Michael Thomas scoring, you know, the two nil against Liverpool to win the league. You weren't there, were you? Were you there? No, I was, no, I was on crutches. I had a, I had a really sore leg from a footballing injury, and I just remember when that goal went in, just running around my parents' living room as if I was absolutely fine. Um, that was mental. Um, obviously, Arsenal Invincibles winning the league, Brighton getting promoted was pretty special. But then you've got those sort of iconic World Cup games that you see Pele in and Maradona. And so, yeah, it's, it's a case of whether you want to sort of see your own team do well again. Yeah. Or those iconic 
you know those games that you see highlights of that are sort of a bit misty and a bit and, and that that noise from the crowd it's like how amazing would that be to be in that environment so i mean the hand of god game has got to be up there isn't it as, as an iconic game to, to have been at so yeah it's a difficult one though. who are we talking to is it charlie baker he did a he did a show in argentina with peter shilton and no one out there knows or remembers who Peter Shilton was. <laughs> it's like, well, it's the hand of God. I don't know, I don't remember the game's not important to us. No, not, not important. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Root, what? Huh? Yeah. I think, I, anyway, it's not my, I was just about to say, what would I watch again? It's, it's difficult work. Like the, the Champions League final with Man United was pretty. The thing is, the game was shit apart from the last two minutes. But um, yeah, yeah. But then you could watch it all knowing it's coming, like teasing people, like eh, it's coming. But that had a bad effect on me because we won the treble, and I had this um, existential sort of funk, and I kind of went, "Oh, what, what's the point then? We've done everything. Why should I watch football ever again?" So I didn't watch football. I totally get that. Oh, yeah, I didn't watch football for about 12, 15 years. I was just like, "Well, it's all meaningless. We've won everything. What's the point?" What is the point? Yeah, I've still got my problems and my worries. It hasn't helped. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so you're saying that the being at the peak still didn't no, clear nothing, everything? nothing. Made, made it worse. Yeah, made it worse. I was like, oh, life is utterly meaningless. So this is it then. Okay. At the top. Brilliant. Right. Still shit. That's a pretty sombre statement right there. <laughs> <laughs> I get it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you go, oh, we've won it. Oh, we've won it. I mean, I heard him. If Exit City won the treble, I I, had, I think I'd die of happiness. No, you wouldn't. You'd go, yeah! Yeah, but the next oh. second, you'd be wanting to kill yourself. <laughs> Christ! Seriously, it's like that. Yeah. No, no. I'm still just thinking about getting promoted from League Two, that Barrow game. I can't stop smiling. <laughs> the Barrow so game. So imagine winning the Champions League. <laughs> uh. I wouldn't, honestly, I'd be happy. I had to watch an interview with Johnny Wilkinson talking about that three-pointer he put over to win the World Cup and he just went, his whole life yeah. went. Yeah, to shit. I've been working towards that moment and now I'm like. Didn't didn't Tyson Fury have a similar thing? He sort of became heavyweight world champion and went, oh, well, this isn't as good. He, this is all he wanted his whole life and then he won it. He's yeah. like, oh, There's great. a great song called yeah. Is That It? There's a great song called Is That It? I think it was Banned. I can't remember it's by. It's called Is That It? And it's about that moment. It's like, oh. <laughs> I really hope I never experience something like Welcome that. Welcome to the My New Football Podcast. <laughs> that, question number eight. Who's the best player? Oh, this is a good one for you. Who's the best player you've seen in the flesh? Probably Paul Gascoigne, actually. At Wembley. And I saw him in a, I think it was an FA Cup semi-final at Wembley, playing for Spurs. And I remember, you know, I know you said um, you watch people off the ball. He just talked to himself the whole, t- the whole time. And I remember saying to my dad, he's talking to himself. And he was just having a conversation with himself the whole game. i never seen anything like it before. Mm. I mean, incredible, obviously incredible player. Well, mo- motivating himself or just... I don't know. No, just like gib- gibbering rubbish. <laughs> wow. Really odd. Yeah, really odd in his own little world. 
So what he was saying. Is that the game that he got? Was that the free kick he scored? Yeah. So, yeah, so you yeah, witnessed yeah. that live? Yeah, at Wembley. Was it the old Wembley yeah, at the time? Correct. And yeah. then he got injured. Cool. Mm-hmm. Shit. Oh, that's that's a bit spooky. You saying that about him? It was just a yeah. I mean, it's definitely mental health issues. But to to to, to notice, I remember noticing it. And, and and remarking on it and and it being a thing because and I was just fascinated by just watching him not even the game just what he was doing what he was saying what he was I don't know it's just a bit odd and I was a kid so it was a bit it was even more fascinating incredible on the ball yeah yeah incredible on the ball so going back to those times in his position he would be an attacking midfielder wouldn't he mm-hmm. and would he just roam around and we could be given freedom just to... Yeah, just did. I mean, he was one of those creative geniuses that just does what they want to do when they want to do it and always seems to be in exactly the right place at the right time. Yeah. And did he, from what you can remember, did he... Was he amazing on the ball when he had it? Yeah. yeah. Every single time. Because you just didn't know what he was going to do. And that was, the, that was part of the magic of any good player. You just don't know what they're going to do next. From Messi, from Ronaldo, from Gascoigne... It's fascinating because they can do anything they want and you're there witnessing whatever they choose. So, yeah, I remember being absolutely fascinated. I mean, I've seen Ronaldo, obviously, for Man U a couple of times, but nothing comes close uh, to, yeah, watching someone like Paul Gascoigne. Gosh, you've really reminded me of that, th- that just, that kind of unpredictable, unexpected... And that's why we love, I mean, that's why we love the game anyway, but that, those those individual geniuses... That's what they deliver, isn't it, to the to the fans, to the world, to the neutral, even to the away fans. You just don't know what they're going to do next because they can do anything they want. That's and that's one thing I've missed out on a lot <clears throat> in obviously supporting lower league teams. You don't see the the upper echelons of players, and that's why since I've moved to Manchester, I've sort of tried to make more of an effort to go and watch Man City or Man United or whatever because you can appreciate like your Kevin De Bruyne's and, and and those kind of players. Yeah. So yeah, that's something I've missed out on a lot. Is it like proper football genius. It's funny, at the moment, Haaland looks like he's the new one, doesn't he? Unbelievable. It's just... Hack's not scoring, can he? It's just so easy. It's bizarre. It is bizarre. Yeah, it's a little bit... It's like, it's, if he, it seems borderline unfair, doesn't it? That That's how good he is. Like, oh God, like, how are you going to stop? How do you stop him? He's so strong, so quick, so fast. Like, just it, it's just unbelievable. It's just a freak. Sorry, going back to gas. you just reminded me of those kind of World Cup qualifiers and then the World Cup matches where he would get the ball and... Normally, something would happen. Something would happen. It creates something. Yeah, yeah. yeah Cantona was so similar, though I never saw him. But it's that it's that uh, another level of creativity and, and and confidence and genius and just yeah, yeah. They always played played on the edge as well, didn't they? A bit emotional, sort of like yeah, hundred percent. It's all part all part of the same package. Yeah. Prone to a red card here and there, or yeah. an incident, or whatever. Yeah. Seeing red, kicking someone, kicking a fan in the face. Yeah, <laughs> um, isn't that a Palace fan? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a well, I'm pretty sure his mum lived two doors down from my mate in East Grinstead. Yeah, I'm sure he made the local paper something. Like that. Yeah. Um. Uh, no, question number nine: Worst experience you've had. A game. I want to change this into the weirdest experience because mm. I haven't really ever had a bad experience. I mean, you 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 witness 
racism and you witness all that stuff and it's never pleasant. But the weirdest experience was I... I was trying to work out how this even happened, but I got given a ticket once for Jamaica, Argentina in the in the 1998 World Cup in Paris. And I, I had friends in France and I was hanging out with them and they knew this rap band called Squeegee and Squeegee were going to the game. And they said, do you want to come? And I was coming back because my sister was about to give birth to my nephew, who's 24 now. Um, so I was coming up through France and they said, do you want to come to the game? Oh, by the way, before before the game, there's a concert in Paris, if you want to come with us, we'll be performing at. And Jimmy Cliff was headlining in this square in Paris. So I'm backstage at this gig in Paris with Jimmy Cliff and a few, I was like, what the f-? I mean, talk about imposter syndrome, yeah. what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> Anyway, the next day, go to, uh, I think it was Parc de Prince, and it was, it was Jamaica versus Argentina. And Argentina won 5-0. Batistuta scored a hat-trick. Simeone was playing. But the weirdest thing was, I was in the Jamaica end, and everyone was smoking weed, right? So the officials obviously turned a blind eye because there was absolutely nothing they could do about it. And I just remember looking around, and everyone was off their tits. <laughs> There was literally, because it was a really, it was a really still day, and it was obviously summer. And I remember just looking at this cloud over everyone, and and no one was paying any attention to the football, and everyone was actually off their tits, and it was it was including myself. <laughs> and it was just so surreal. It's like to be in that. Yeah. Were they so, were they, they cheering? Were they celebrating? Or not bothered? Well, they couldn't because they they went. I mean, it's five nil. I don't think they've had any attacks on goal, but no one cared about actually the, the game. They just cared about smoking and getting off their tits. And I just remember walking out the stadium, going, "I'm so fucked." <laughs> <laughs> and then coming to London and seeing my sister gave birth to, to Nathan. But yeah, it was it was so surreal. Yeah, so surreal. Well, were they all pre-rolled? Were they skinning up next year? Skinning up, uh, pre everything, everything. Just this cloud of amazing, yeah, <laughs> very odd. Yeah, it would never happen now, obviously, but it was just so surreal the whole thing. Would it not happen? Would it not happen now? I don't think no. so. I don't think no. so. No, not a chance. They wouldn't even be to get it in. Yeah, sniffer, sniffer dogs. Why were things so? It was only ninety-eight. Didn't seem that. Was, that was a very strange experience. Do you remember who's playing for the Jamaican side? Was there anyone we? No, but you can, I mean, I mean, check it out. It was nineteen ninety eight. I might have a look and have a look at the crowd. Look at the team, yeah. Look at the team lineup. <laughs> and then if you look at it, if there's any footage of the Jamaica end, it's just going to be behind this massive cloud of weed. It's mental. It's actually mental. <laughs> oh, Everyone was so fucked. <laughs> Oh, I quite like that in the Stansfield uh, stand at Exeter. Nah, no thank you. Everyone's <laughs> passing a bong round. It'd be great. It was like it was like sitting in a bong. Yeah. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Question ten: What interesting fact have you got about your team? I met Alex yesterday. Uh, Alex Winter, not low. And um, we discussed this, and uh, we found out that Brighton were once called the Dolphins. Right. 
and it was because of the the Sea Life Centre yeah. used to be a dolphin area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back it back in the sixties, I think. So they were called the Dolphins, and then it changed to the Seagulls because of the uh, a, a Palace game in the seventies where Palace fans were chanting Eagles. So Brighton responded by saying Seagulls, uh, and that was the, the change in in nickname. That is a tremendous fact. That's Isn't a great it? Fact. Yeah, incredible, <laughs> incredible. That that might be the best fact we've had. Yeah, that's a good. We've had some good ones. That's a good one. So yeah, seagulls because of the eagles, and before that, the dolphins. I want to know how that transition happens. Like then, the, then the next game, the next game. How many people were still going? Come on, dolphins! No, Mike. Come on, you dolphins! Yeah, no, Mike, Mike. No, no, no. no with the seagulls, then. really? No. Done the dolphins. Done that for years, mate. Yeah. <laughs> seagulls now. Yeah. God, that's great. Good fact. Final question. What one oh. bit of advice would you give me as a new fan of a football team? Well, speaking as someone who's gone through a very similar transition, it, it just embrace it. Embrace your local club. Embrace the journey times. Embrace uh, the fact that they're playing for the club rather than playing for ridiculous sums of money. Uh, and I don't know, I just... I, I just think it's. I love it. I, you know, I've never been happy as a football fan to support a club that's literally playing half an hour from where I live, yeah. and who and who all come out and genuinely want to win and play together and please the fans and please each other and and do well. And and this and and all the all the stuff about oh they're on like, paying they're being paid loads of money and that one's on half a million a week that's all gone. You know, or, or even challenging for the top four to, for Champions League. Don't care. Yeah, I, I quite like the last few seats. Well, I didn't like it, but it's a very different perspective when you're staying up and every point, every point matters. Because oh. I've been used to top four my whole life. Top four, oh my God, we're in fifth. Oh my God, we're in fourth. Now, the first few years of supporting Brighton at the Amex were when we went up was like, we're going to get relegated. We're in the bottom three. We're in the bottom two. Fuck, fuck, For fuck. entertainment value, what do you prefer? Yeah. What do you prefer? Being, w- watching Arsenal and being in the top five or that worrying about going down for pure sort of thrill, for a thrill ride? As a self, as a almost a self form of self-harm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The relegation stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's gut-wrenching and you're, you're studying that table all through the week seeing it where the points watching other teams supporting palace because they may beat someone you know who who could that's it is exciting i mean it's horrible yeah but it's exciting yeah yeah it, it feels with the top sides in the premier league but from the from the outside looking in there's no there's no real jeopardy is there you know you're never going to get relegated probably exactly. as one of those top sides and there's no fear you might have a, a crap season and finish 10th in the well 10th in the premier league is better than most teams will ever be able to boast so if that's your worst season then that's not too bad is it yeah and you're watching some of these teams it's like oh my god they're going to be in europa not the champions league it's like shut up yeah <laughs> the drop down into the championship is is as you say it's pure jeopardy i mean so yeah i feel like while we're going up i feel like we're getting promoted john knows that but you know there could be a situation where we lose a few on the bounce and suddenly we'll be down in the Oh, I can't imagine, John. 
That's what. That's what. That's why there's never. That's why there's never a boring moment in the in your lower league footballs. Because if you're mid table, you're only a few wins off being in the upper places, but you're also only a few losses, you know, going down into. Oh, we that. could win two or three on the trot. We'll be right up there. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And then you could lose two or three on the trot and be right all down right, there. And that's all right. that's where the enjoy- that's <laughs> not enjoyment, but that's where the, the beauty of it. And lies. you know, yeah. you go and play a team at the bottom, like whoever it was last couple of weeks ago, Burton or whoever. You think you're going to win two or three nil, and they go and beat you. Yeah, the first first game they'd won all season yeah. was against us, and they played really well. It's happened. We've we've done that a few times over the last few years. Just played shit against the bottom teams. And it's like, where are the points going to come from? Horrible. But beautiful at the same time. Yeah, it is beautiful. Yeah, oh my God. It's weird. Beautiful. I mean, I'm already studying the table. John said don't bother until May, but I'm already having a good... I don't, I don't, I genuinely don't. I know it's such a cliche. I actually don't look at the table. I, I couldn't tell you where we are right now in the table. I actually couldn't. So have you, question for you guys. Have you guys, do you guys go to away games then? I do. David, probably not I so much. I haven't done that yet. yet. Haven't done that. Not yet. It'll happen. I mean, if you've got Plymouth and you've got, I mean, Bristol's not far away, is it? No, you that's know. like an yeah, hour, hour and a half. What about Yeovil? Are they in yours? No. No, two no. two divisions below. They're, they're, I think they might be doing quite poorly in the conference, but I'm not too sure. Mark, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you very if much. If you ever fancy coming on again, yeah, then please do. Yeah, no, please. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me and... Um, if I'm ever down in your neck of the woods, I'll definitely choose a weekend when Exeter City are playing at home. Do yes. it, do it. Yeah, do it. I'll, I'll bring my long uh, rubber glove as well for the for the line. <laughs> I thought for me, either oh, or. Nice. <laughs> either or. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mark. It's been brilliant. Cheers, Jack. All right, guys. Take have care. A good, nice uh, have a good weekend and um, you too. football and speak to you soon. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers mate. You too. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye.